We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome back to At Your Service. You know, inflation got a lot of folks in a stranglehold these days. But, uh, <laughs> Mike, you know, Mike Anderson sitting there, look, he was grinning before I turned the mic on. He was like, what kind of stupid tie in is Brad going to make with this song, right? Is that what you were That's thinking? That's my favorite part of every segment, Brad. <laughs> what kind of stupid tie in is Brad going to make to this song? So I got, <laughs> so I, I you're I, I gotta make sure that I know the title of the song because if not I can't make a make a stupid tie-in. So uh, thanks for thanks for helping me out there, Mike. Brad Young sitting in at your service this evening, and we will be here until uh, eleven o'clock tonight. And you know, in the last hour we were talking about some financial issues, and this hour we'll we'll talk about some more. But we're also going to talk about some constitutional issues. We're going to really geek out and talk about what NASA's doing because NASA, and again, I'll break in through this story a little bit more as the hour unfolds, but NASA next month is going to launch this mission to test our ability to deflect planet-killing asteroids. I mean, how cool is that? They're going to launch this rocket, and it's going to impact an asteroid and nudge it out of the way. And the idea is, is is that if there is an asteroid that's going to come and hit the Earth, we can move it out of the way. Because it, I got to tell you, one of my favorite movies uh, is the movie Armageddon with Bruce Willis. And not because it's valid in any way, because <laughs> it's about as scientifically accurate. Uh, uh, it's just not. It's not scientifically accurate in any way. It just isn't. But... It's hilarious because of Bruce Willis and his cast of characters. But the idea of just blowing up this asteroid with a nuclear bomb is in reality the worst thing that you could do if there's an asteroid coming to Earth. Because now, when you by blowing it up, instead of having one asteroid coming at you, you've now got millions of asteroids coming at the Earth. So it doesn't really change anything, even though it sounds cool just to fire an ICBM up there and blow it up. I mean, come on, that does sound pretty darn cool. But uh, but then we can all die after we see it. So it, it doesn't really achieve the objective for which it was intended. 
So uh, so NASA is going to test this, and I'll get into some of those details later on as the hour unfolds. But we're also going to talk about inflation. And I'm going to not talk about, again, the theory of it, but the impact of it. And, for example, there was a study that was just done. It came out of, I believe it was the University of Chicago, uh, came out this week analyzing inflation. And, and, you know, the problem with economic news is, is that it it's intellectually interesting, but it's not emotionally impactful. What do I mean by that? Well, if I tell you that inflation in August is up 5.3% compared to August a year ago, you can understand what that means, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't impact you. But if I tell you this, that right now, the cost of inflation to the average household is an extra $175 a month. Every month, 12 months a year, that is impactful to you. If I talk to you and I say that groceries now for the average family, according to the University of Chicago, cost an extra 50 bucks a week on groceries to feed a family of four, and that's Assuming that you buy the groceries at Aldi's, they even check the prices at Aldi's and use that as the baseline measure. That's impactful if it costs you an extra $50 a week or $175 a month for the, for the average American household. That means something. Every time you gas up your tank, it costs more money. And right now, the policies from the Biden administration are encouraging more inflation. Because you got to understand that when the government fires that huge money cannon and starts giving away money, people do something with that money. They they spend it. I mean, of course they do. So by spending that money that's not generating anything, at that point it causes inflation. You combine that with the trucker shortage, with the uh, supply chain issues, with the price of oil going up, you put all those things in a blender – and what comes out is something that costs you an extra 175 or 200 bucks a month. So if you have seen that, you know, I, I had an aunt. She's long since passed away. But, but my aunt knew the price of everything at the grocery store. And she was one of those, uh, one of those coupon, uh, there's, a, there's a name for it, where they're just insane coupon cutters. And I forgot the, I forgot the term for it, but she would have her entire basement dedicated to cutting coupons and saving labels. And, and, you know, if you buy three, you get six for free and all of these things when I was a kid. And so we would always have to cut these labels off the cans. And, you know, I'm 12 years old. I'm cutting these labels off the cans. I'm going, mom, I'm not cutting the labels off these cans. It's a pain in the butt. I'm not doing that. And we have to do it anyway. But she would know the prices of everything. So if you're one of those people that knows the prices of everything that you buy, I would love to hear your analysis of what inflation is costing you right now just compared to a year ago. 314-436-7900. Call or text at your service here on KMOX. We'll be right back. Don't just listen to the news. React to it. We are the voice of St. Louis. Everyone is welcome. You know where Biden is not very popular these days? In Alabama. That's right. He is 
<laughs> he is not popular in Alabama. Brad Young here on uh, at your service. And I mentioned that because have you seen Biden's approval ratings? I mean, I said last hour that his approval ratings are falling faster than Brett Hall after a happy hour. But uh, uh, but his numbers are just abysmal. And and I just find it fascinating when you when you would watch the mainstream media and they would always love with glee. They would talk about how bad Trump's approval ratings were. Well, his are better than a Biden's are now. But, of course, you don't see that same type of coverage on the mainstream media. But the, this is from Quinnipiac, which I know it sounds funny to say that, but that's one of the major, most major polling agencies in the country. It's rated A-plus by any rating service for polls because it's not biased and it's as accurate as you can be. And according to the Quinnipiac poll that just came out, his overall, Biden's overall approval rating, 38% as president, 38%, 53% disapprove. That is below Trump's. And listen, I was no uh, Trump can do no wrong kind of guy. I criticized President Trump a lot for his policies, particularly when they weren't conservative. Uh, so it's not like I'm cheerleading him. What I'm doing is pointing out how <clears throat> the negative coverage of the president only goes one way. The lowest marks that President Biden had on this Quinnipiac poll were on immigration. Twenty-five percent approve of his current immigration policies. What I want to know is, who's that twenty-five percent? I mean, who who is looking at the southern border right now and going, you know what? We're doing a pretty good job down there. We we it looks good from my perspective. I mean, who is saying that? I don't know who is saying. I don't know anybody saying that. And you probably don't either. But what I think is interesting is the high point. In other words, the the best polling numbers that President Biden have in this Quinnipiac poll is on his handling of the coronavirus, where he gets a 48 percent approval. So on no subject, does he break 50 percent on no topic, on no subject area from where the president is rated? Does he get 50 percent approval? Nothing. And on econ- on the economy and on taxes, Biden got a 39% approval rating on the economy and 37% approval on taxes. That's it. And if you look at it overall, what do how would you rate overall as the commander in chief and president? Do you approve or disapprove? 37% approved, 58% disapproved. So what what I want to know is, is that how or why does the media not cover it this way? And we know why, because they're in the tank for President Biden. We know that. But I would also like to know who are those 25 percent of people who are approving of what is happening at the border. Now, earlier in the show, it was last hour, we were talking to Max Cook. He's the president of the Missouri Bankers Association. And we were talking to Max about this new proposal that will be in the $3.5 trillion plan, which, folks, I'm telling you right now, is not going to see the light of day in its current form. It just is not. Uh, thanks to Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema from uh, Arizona, that bill will at least be cut in half and maybe not even pass at all. We'll have to wait and see, but certainly it will not pass in its current form. <laughs> 
But we're talking about how the government is so intrusive in terms of trying to find your financial data and monitor all of your financial transactions. And they're obsessed with that, down to $600 has to be reported to the federal government under this new proposal. But what's interesting is, is that there was an accidental leak of government information this week when it comes to warrants and how the federal government in general and the FBI in particular is issuing keyword warrants to identify anyone searching for names, addresses, and phone numbers of specified people. Now, earlier in the hour or in the last hour, we also mentioned the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution. You should know it by now, but the Fourth Amendment says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. But right now, because of the cozy relationship between the federal government and Google, right now if you go and you type in a certain series of words into a Google search, the government's going to be looking at your IP address. Now, you haven't done anything wrong. You're not accused of doing anything wrong. You're not violating the law in any way. But simply by typing in the wrong sequence in a search bar, you might be investigated by the federal government. That's where we are today when it comes to our privacy. And what's interesting is, is that if you talk to folks about privacy, it generally falls along age lines. In other words, if someone is, say, and I'm being a little generous here, but if someone is 35 or younger, their position, at least to me, has been, you know what, I don't have any privacy, nothing's private, I don't care about it. And uh, anyone older than that values their privacy. So I'm going to pick on Mike because he's the youngest guy in the room. Mike, how, how do you feel about this idea that your private information really truly isn't private? Does that bother you? Um, I try and stay off a lot of social media in general, so I don't know what all there is to find, but um, the way I trick myself into not worrying about it is I don't have too much to hide, and <laughs> I don't know why they would care about me. So mm-hmm. it's not that big a deal to me. Well, you know, when I was when I was probably in my 20s, I may have probably felt the same way. But as you get older and you start to have some stuff that you want to, don't want to necessarily have everybody know about, uh, you, you kind of think, well, that's kind of private. The government doesn't need to know that. But right now, if you type in the wrong sequence of uh, keywords into Google, the government's going to track you down. And to me, our privacy is really the last thing that we have that we can hold that the government can't take. And even that they're taking. I mean, for example, you probably have a phone or do you have any kind of devices that use biometric information like your fingerprint uh, or a face scan? Uh, no, mostly just my cell phone. I know, but your cell phone, if it locks. Sure. Do, is it, yeah, is I have it, an iPhone. I mean, it uses touch. To it get uses it. touch or it uses facial recognition. Sure. So that biometric information is stored in that phone. Now, Apple is very diligent about being secure, and they don't let that information out. But if that information could be leaked, then someone would have your biometric information, which could be used in the future for bank accounts or wire transfers or credit card accounts. I mean, they're not used now for that, but we don't know what's going to be used in the future. 
So that's to me why I think we should really just guard our privacy as much as possible. There's also something called geofencing. I don't know if you've heard of geofencing, but this is another area where Google is, in essence, flipping the Constitution on its head. And it does this because constitutionally and legally, you're innocent until proven guilty. That a court cannot go out and get a warrant to search your car, your home, your bank accounts, your private information. The government cannot do that unless they establish probable cause with a judge. But if you talk about geofencing, you have to literally prove your innocence. Now, what do I mean by that and how does it work? Let's say, for example, I'm going to make up some places. If there is, uh, if someone is robbed uh, at the corner of Tucker and Market in downtown St. Louis, the government could go to Google and say, Google, and actually go to the phone cell phone companies and say, give us all of the IP addresses for all of the cell phones within a five-block radius of Market and Tucker at 926 on Thursday evening. And so if they give up that information, now all of a sudden the government is looking at your cell phone records and saying, you are a potential suspect in this crime. And the only evidence that they have against you is you had a cell phone in your pocket and you happened to be around the corner at the time of the crime. And then if they come and talk to you, and they've gotten this information without a warrant, without probable cause, and without any information as to whether or not you've committed a crime or not. So when you compare that with the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution, where you have an absolute right to be secure in your person, your home, your papers, your effects against unreasonable searches and seizures, at this point you've been searched, your effects and on your person has been searched when no one has produced any evidence that you've committed a crime. So I mention these things, not that they're going to go away, because they're certainly not, but I want you to be aware of how valuable your privacy is and how easily your privacy can be taken away from you. You know, there's a great case at the Supreme Court that the Supreme Court decided a few years ago. It's called Carpenter versus U.S. And on that case, uh, the government, without a warrant, attached a GPS tracking device to a car, and they developed a pattern where the defendant, they, they could see where the defendant went on a daily and a weekly and a monthly basis. And, of course, we've seen that in, like, every James Bond movie ever. Okay, we've seen that. But that's a movie, and this is reality. And the Supreme Court said, you know, you don't have a right to compile all that information, even though it's on a public street, because compiling all that information everywhere you go is personal and it's private. And you cannot obtain that information without probable cause that you've committed a crime. And yet every single day now with geofencing, your privacy rights are being invaded by every cell phone company when they provide that information to the federal government. Hey, when we come back from this break, I'm going to do a deep dive into a slightly different topic. This week, the, the, the topic du jour this week in Washington has been this Facebook whistleblower, Frances uh, Haugen. And she's been testifying about how uh, the algorithms with Facebook and how they're 
either turning them on or turning them off, and they're placing people at risk for profits because that's how Facebook makes money. And so she's being heralded by both the right and the left as being a champion because she's a whistleblower against Facebook. But I want to tell you right now that you, you should be careful about what you wish for because we are not being told the whole story about the purpose behind this whistleblower, Frances Haugen, and what she actually wants to achieve when it comes to social media control and regulation. So we're going to do a deep dive into that after this break. Brad Young here on At Your Service. Stick around. We'll be right back on KMOX. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Get ready for Sunday Night Football as the Chiefs take on the Bills. Touchdown! Kansas City! Hear the game here. Pre-game at 6. Kick on 7.20 on your voice of the Chiefs. KMOX. Welcome back to At Your Service. And I wanted to do a deep dive into this topic because you've undoubtedly heard this story this week. Uh, a former Facebook high-ranking employee, uh, her, na- her name is Haugen, and she testified in front of Congress, and she even did an expose on 60 Minutes, uh, which was actually pretty interesting. But she was talking about how the company, Facebook, in general, and Mark Zuckerberg in particular, knows that their platform spreads misinformation and content that harms children. And that's the way she always phrases it, because, you know, in today's environment, that's the only reason, that's the only way you get any traction is to say, well, it harms children and minorities, so that's how you get people's attention, certainly in Washington. So she testified, and members of the right and of the left are kind of really cheering her on, this Kathleen Haugen, because they're cheering her on because these are folks who want there to be more regulation of Facebook in general, and or rather Facebook in particular, but social media in general. And I think that's misplaced. And I'm going to break this down for you why I think that those uh, that 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 rallying around uh, her cause with regard to regulating Facebook is really, I think, a, a, what's called a psyops trap or a false flag. And those are military terms. A false flag is where, uh, like for example, if someone uh, when Russia was invading parts of Ukraine several years ago, their people were dressed up with uh, non-Russian uniforms, so you wouldn't know it was Russia. 
that's called a false flag operation. And, and I think we're witnessing a false flag operation when it comes to this expose on Facebook. So to start things off, this is from Haugen's, uh, this was from her opening statement that she made during congressional testimony this week. Today, Facebook shapes our perception of the world by choosing the information we see. Even those who don't use Facebook are impacted by the majority who do. A company with such frightening influence over so many people, over their deepest thoughts, feelings, and behavior, needs real oversight. But Facebook's closed design means it has no real oversight. Only Facebook knows how it personalizes your feed for you. At other large tech companies like Google, any independent researcher can download from the internet the company's search results and write papers about what they find. And they do. But Facebook hides behind walls that keeps researchers and regulators from understanding the true dynamics of their system. So you see the essence of what she was saying in front of Congress was that Facebook purposefully, and she goes on in more detail during her testimony, that Facebook uses AI, artificial intelligence, uh, and they, she compared the kind of systems that were in place before the election and how they were turned off after the election, which, according to her, led to the January 6th riot. But she's essentially saying that, that Facebook, there's misinformation out there that is harmful to people, that's harmful to citizens, and that's harmful to children. And I think that most people would agree with that. I certainly would. You would. I mean, how many of us uh, uh, or who hasn't seen something harmful on social media? I mean, I don't even have a Facebook account. I don't even have Twitter because I just don't I don't have the time and I don't want to get sucked into it as a, as a time waster. So I don't even use social media. But I've certainly read stuff on social media. I do that on a regular basis when I'm researching a topic or an issue. And we've all seen stuff on Facebook that's hurtful or on any social media platform that's hurtful, that's wrong, and that's incorrect. We've all seen that. So she's making those statements to Congress in such a way that most Americans and most members of Congress would say, I agree with that. I agree with that. But if you look at what her solution is to this problem, that's what I want you to listen in for as this effort moves forward to regulate Facebook. Because this is one of those situations where the cure is worse than the disease. In other words, what she's proposing to fix these problems is worse. Her proposed solution is worse than the problem as it currently exists. And here's how I can demonstrate that. When asked about what are the things that is the problem with Facebook and the way that people are being injured and harmed and, uh, and people's lives are being overturned uh, because of Facebook, this is what Kathleen Haugen said about why that, or sorry, Kathleen, it's Francis Haugen, why Francis Haugen was saying these things about Facebook in general about how it manipulates people's lives. This is what she said in terms of hate speech and why it's harmful. And the reality is that we've seen from repeated documents within my disclosures is that Facebook's AI systems only catch a very tiny minority of offending content. And best case scenario in the case of something like hate speech, at most they will ever get 10 to 20%. 
So she talks about offending comment, and it only catches about 10% of offending comments, offending speech, and offending content. What do you think she would define as offending content? What do you think she would define? Let me give you an example. First of all, we know from public contributions uh, that Francis Haugen has donated lots of money to the Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez campaign on numerous occasions. Secondly, she now is represented by and works with the same Democrat liberal progressive PR company from which the current press secretary, Jen Psaki, used to work. So she's clearly aligned with the left. Now, that doesn't mean anything. I, I've got lots of friends who are way far to the left of me, and we hang out together and we enjoy our, each other's company. But my point is, what is her intent? Because she calls for, and if you look at the 60-minute speech, Frances Haugen is calling for more regulation of the Internet. She wants to regulate what she calls offending content. What was offending content a year ago on Facebook? I'll tell you what was offending content. If you would say on Facebook a year ago that the coronavirus accidentally leaked from a lab in Wuhan, China, you were kicked off of Facebook. If you suggested that the coronavirus was accidentally leaked from a lab in Wuhan, China, you were kicked off of Twitter a year ago because it was offending content. If you had the audacity to say, even today on social media, if you mention something about your questioning whether or not masks can actually filter out the coronavirus, you're kicked off of social media. And in fact, it's gone so far that Facebook itself cannot even tolerate the sound of President Trump's voice. I mean, not only has President Trump been kicked off, but I believe it was his, a relative of his was running for office and had and played some speech by President Trump, and they kicked her off because she played a clip on Facebook of President Trump. So if it's so offensive that they're going to kick you off, that is offending content. That's the exact word that Francis Haugen used. So I'm spending a lot of time on this topic because I want you to understand that as this process moves forward in Washington, D.C., the focus is not going to be on creating free speech, which I think that's the key. There, there, I can't think of a situation where uh, censoring speech and blocking the exchange of ideas ever leads to a positive result. I, I don't know what that would be. I mean, like, for example, on this show, I always encourage people to call in 314-436-7900. But my favorite calls, honestly, are folks who disagree with me, not folks who call up and say, Brad, I like what you say and I agree with you 100%. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. But the calls that are the most fun and the most challenging are when people call up to disagree with me, not because I want to engage in a debate with them, but because I want that exchange of ideas, because that's where we learn. If you look at the cabinet of Abraham Lincoln, uh, and, and Doris Kearns Goodwin wrote about this extensively in her book called A Team of Rivals, I think is what it was called, that the cabinet of Abraham Lincoln was uh, comprised of people who were his political rivals. These weren't people who agreed with Abraham Lincoln. These were people who disagreed with Abraham Lincoln, and he put them in his presidential cabinet. 
Now, why did he do that? He did that because he did not want to be surrounded by people that said, oh, President Lincoln, you're great. Oh, President Lincoln, I agree with everything you say. Oh, President Lincoln, you're fabulous. He wanted people to say, I'm not sure that's the best idea, and he would challenge his assumptions and challenge his policies. Because from that that, uh, marketplace of ideas comes solutions. But right now, social media isn't a marketplace of ideas. And if you look at Frances Haugen, she wants it to be even less of a marketplace of ideas because she wants to limit offending content which if you are a conservative in any way, folks, offending content means everything that you believe. If you're a Christian today, offending content would be anything that you believe about your faith. Or if you advocate and question, not even make up the lies, and we see so many lies coming out now about the coronavirus, that it's got to track you, it's got a government tracking and the vaccine, uh, that the the coronavirus was invented to con- for population control. I mean, those are all just silly nonsense. But do we really want the government to determine and to uh, dictate what is acceptable content and offending content? We do not want the government to decide that in any way, shape, form, or manner. And after this break... I'm going to tell you how the government is pulling this off because constitutionally, the government can't control what you say. Constitutionally, the government cannot control what you think or what you share with others in terms of your ideas, your beliefs. But they can influence corporations to do that. And that's what is happening right before our eyes. I will share that with you after this break. But if you've got some concerns or if you've seen this same kind of trend especially if you disagree with me. Always love to hear from you. 314-436-7900. In fact, I just got a text right now. Someone said, I'm a fan of geofence warrants. If you don't commit a crime, you're fine. Well, that, you know, I understand. I understand that idea. But constitutionally, if you haven't committed a crime, the government shouldn't be able to track you. And that's the reality of constitutional law and how it impacts us in this tech world. 314-436-7900. Brad Young coming back right after this on At Your Service. Keep pace with the latest locally. Ask your smart speaker to play KMOX. Well, do you want the police... Monitoring your Facebook? Well, I had to give that. Actually, Mike Anderson gave that pun. Way to go, Mike. Good job, buddy. The police policing your Facebook. Yeah, that's right. Brad Young in with you this evening here on At Your Service. And we're talking about this the, the issue of Facebook. Do we regulate it? Do we not regulate it? Do we need more? Do we need less? And how will it impact your ability to communicate freely in a, in a culture that values free speech so highly that it's made into the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Sharon's been holding through the break. Hey, Sharon, welcome to X. Hi, thank you. What's on your mind? Um, I agree with some regulation of Facebook, and I think it's a little bit more than free speech. It's using algorithms to drive people into more and more insulated silos, and that is the opposite of free speech. 800,000 people have died of coronavirus, and in the last six months, 
definitely the last four months, the majority of people who have died have been unvaccinated. They believe it's not just silly little lies. They believe that they're being tracked. They believe that the vaccination is going to hurt them and not help them. They believe COVID is a hoax, even as they're dying in the ICU. And that's over. It has to be over 100,000 people who have died who are unvaccinated. And in part, it was fueled by Facebook and misinformation and driving in people into isolated silos where there is no discussion with people of opposite points of view. And to me, that's a perfect example mm-hmm. of why regulation is helpful, because it's about public protection. Well, well Sharon, you're not wrong, okay? You're, everything that you just said is factually correct, and I could not disagree with anything that you just said. But what you gave was the best-case scenario for the argument. In other words... Uh, there's no question that people have died in this country because of misinformation about COVID that was spread on social media. No question. No one with a brain can disagree with that statement. But if Facebook is going to be monitoring offending content, do we want Facebook in charge of determining what offending content means? For example, if a person says, well, I think that critical race theory uh, is is not just the description of historical events from an African-American perspective, but is an attempt to bring Marxism into the youth of America. And if that's offending to someone who runs Facebook, who's a, a CRT champion, at that point, that speech would be squelched. That's the problem that I have. But is it a fact that it would be squelched? Yeah, we because and we've the, seen that. The examples you're giving, you're saying that you can't put Christian beliefs on Facebook. Half the time, what I'm posting on pray, uh, Facebook is prayers, right. sending prayers, our Father who art in heaven. Very Absolutely. good, Sharon. Listen, there's uh, religious content. I know, but Facebook. let me give you the example. Is, As but, but you said that that would be stopped, and that is not true. Well, it is true because if you look at Canada right now, if you express in Canada. If, you, if a pastor expresses the belief that homosexuality is a sin, then they can be criminally prosecuted for hate speech in Canada. And that is okay, not a stretch. Not, that's, not, that's not the discussion we're having about Facebook in the United States right now. But I'm looking at trends and where it could be going. Well, I understand that. And that's worst case scenario. And, you know, the... I do think there can be robust discussion about how things can be monitored and what kind of regulation. But if we had 100,000 people die in car accidents in the last four Wrap, to wrap it up, Sharon. We got four. We got five seconds. Okay, thank you. I'm Thanks sorry. So we got to go. We're heading to a hard break, Sharon. I'm sorry. Hey, call back next hour. Brad Young, we got one more hour of At Your Service on X. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.